What's your favorite Woody Allen movie? Before you answer, you should know. When I was seven years old, Woody Allen took me by the hand and led me into a dim, closet-like attic on the second floor of our house. He told me to lay on my stomach and play with my brother's electric train set. Then, he sexually assaulted me. These are the words of Dylan Farrow, the daughter of Mia Farrow and Woody Allen. Hi guys, I'm Dee Dee West, and this is Broken Limelight. Today's episode is going to be a doozy. I'm going to tell you all about Woody Allen. If you don't already know about the scandals surrounding this man, you'd better hold on to your butts, because this is going to be one hell of a ride. First of all, allow me to give you a brief overview of the facts, and then we'll dig into the details. Before I get started, trigger warning. This story contains graphic descriptions of sexual abuse and incest. In 1992, Woody Allen was accused of molesting seven-year-old Dylan Farrow. Around the same time this happened, Woody Allen became involved with 21-year-old Suni Previn, a daughter of Mia Farrow's from a previous marriage. Woody and Suni are still together nearly 30 years later and are now married and have children together. Woody Allen and Mia Farrow had been in a serious relationship for about 12 years by this point. There's a lot of discussion about whether or not it was inappropriate for Woody to start dating Suni. Nobody really seems to agree whether Woody was a father figure to Mia's kids or if he was just like a boyfriend who popped in every once in a while. Of course, Woody insists that he never touched Dylan and he thinks that if it weren't for that accusation, there would be no problem in his relationship with Suni. So like I said, this story has a lot of layers. There's a whole lot of controversy around this. I actually went into this pretty sure that everybody knew that Woody Allen was guilty. But the more I researched, I found that there's a whole bunch of people who are dedicated to proving Woody Allen's innocence. So I'm going to break down everything I could find on the Woody Allen and Mia Farrow dynamic throughout their 12-year relationship. There are so many people surrounding this case who have made statements like all the siblings and all the nannies, and all of them contradict each other. For the record, I believe Dylan Farrow, but for the sake of accuracy, I'm going to try to look at all sides here. So let's get started. Woody Allen is an American film director, writer, actor, and comedian whose career spans more than six decades and multiple Academy Award-winning films. In 1980, Woody started dating Mia Farrow, an American actress and former fashion model, who, by the way, was way out of his league. Mia and Woody were together from 1980 to 1992. During that time, Mia starred in 13 of Woody Allen's films. They were very much like the Brad and Angelina of their day. At the time they had met, Mia had seven children of her own. One of these children was named Suni Previn. Suni was an orphan from South Korea, She was found living in the streets and eating out of garbage cans, and she didn't speak any known language. There was no way to know her true date of birth, so she was given a presumptive birth date of October 8, 1970, based on bone scans. She was taken in by an orphanage when she was about six or seven, and Mia and her then-husband, Andre Previn, adopted Suni when she was eight. That was about 1978. In 1979, Mia and Andre Previn got divorced, and in 1980, Mia and Woody started dating. Mia and Woody never actually lived together. Woody continues to say that he didn't sleep over or have meals at Mia's family or go over to her house very often at all. But Mia and her kids, 
Ronan, Dylan, Fletcher, Sasha, Matthew all disagree. They all say that Woody would be there all the time. For example, when they were teenagers and they would sneak out of the house and then they would sneak back in in the middle of the night, Woody would be there. Whenever they would take a vacation as a family, Woody would be there. Sometimes he would even be the one to take them on extravagant vacations to Europe. Suni, as an adult, said that she somehow has never had any contact with Woody until she was in 11th grade. Which, okay. I mean, she was nine when her mom started dating him, but whatever. In 1985, Mia adopted Dylan Farrow. This is the time when Woody started spending more time at Mia's house. Then in 1987, Woody and Mia had a baby of their own named Satchel Ronan Farrow, who now goes by Ronan. Now, let's fast forward a bit. One day when Suni was in 11th grade, she hurt her foot and Woody offered her a ride to school. Again, according to Suni, they didn't actually have much contact with each other up until this point. This would have been around 1988 to 1990. So after that ride, I guess they started hanging out and going to basketball games together, and they just became a lot closer. In 1991, Mia let Woody adopt Dylan as well as her son, Moses Farrow. So now Woody is legally the father of Dylan, Moses, and Ronan. In January of 1992, Mia found nude photographs of Suni in Alan's apartment. By this time, Suni was 21 and Woody was 56. Mia confronted Woody and he told her that he and Suni had been engaging in a sexual relationship for about two weeks. Now, it's unclear whether Mia and Woody were still together at this point. According to Woody, their relationship had fizzled out around 87-88. But according to Mia, they were very much still together. Anyway, Woody and Suni were now saying that they were in love. And they pretty much claimed that there was nothing wrong with their relationship. Woody insisted that Suni was an adult and him and Mia were not married. It like wasn't a big deal to either Woody or Suni that Woody was the father of some of Suni's siblings or that Woody had been dating her mom since she was like nine years old. Then, literally like within a couple of weeks of Woody and Suni publicly declaring their love to each other, that's when Woody was accused of molesting Dylan. So now let's get into that. Remember when I said that Woody didn't live with Mia, but he started hanging around more when she adopted Dylan? Well, Woody was very, very close to Dylan, in a way that was concerning to Mia. According to Mia, Dylan was about three or four years old when Mia started getting really concerned about Woody's behavior. So Woody started going to therapy. The psychologist, her name was Dr. Susan Coates, said that the relationship between Woody and Dylan was inappropriately close, but not sexual. Still, Mia thought it was weird because he was, like, overly attached with her, and he wasn't that way with any of the other kids. So Mia instructed the nannies not to ever leave Woody alone with Dylan. Let's move on to August 4th, 1992. This was the day of the alleged crime. The story goes like this. Mia's friend, Casey Pascal, came over with all her kids and her nanny to hang out with Mia and her kids. Mia and Casey decided to go to the store, and they left the kids at home with the nannies. At some point, Woody came over. Casey Pascal's nanny, her name was Allison, said that she noticed she couldn't find one of Casey's kids, so she started looking around the house. 
Allegedly, Allison opened the door to a TV room and saw Dylan sitting on a couch watching TV. And Woody had been kneeling on the floor in front of her with his head in her lap. She doesn't go on to say whether he did anything else, just that his head was in her lap and that it was not an appropriate position for a father to be in with a little girl. So, of course, Allison just kind of freaked out and she shut the door. And after they left, she told Casey about what she saw. Casey then told Mia, and then Mia decided to ask Dylan about it. Dylan broke down and told her that he had touched her private parts. I'm going to play a recording of Dylan Farrow telling Mia about it. Before I play it, I want you to keep something in mind. A lot of people believe that Mia coached Dylan into telling this story. I'll get more into that later, but I just want you to keep that in mind as you listen. I'm pretty sure she's taking a bath in this recording, so you're going to hear a little bit of splashing around. Fair warning, this is not for the faint of heart. I'm I never got a chance. Had to do it. He said he was my daddy. He, he had. He, I'm, I'm a kid. I have to do it. Ever the grown ups say. I know. I know. It's it's Dawn. It's not I your fault at all. It's not your fault at all. There was nothing you could have done. You were just a little girl. I, I didn't know what he was gonna do. He just did it, and I. Didn't. I know. I know. And it still, it still hurts you? Yeah. Did your daddy do that when you were a kid? No, honey, no. No, daddies don't do that. I wish it was Andre who was my daddy. He would have taken better care of me. My little sweetheart. Oh, my hand. When Mia confronts Woody about it, he completely denies it. He also gives literally zero information. One of my sources for this was HBO's Alan V. Farrow. It's very, very informative. It's got a lot of interviews from Mia's children, as well as the nannies. So in one of the episodes, they play a recording of a phone call between Mia and Woody, where Mia's asking Woody where he was on the day of the alleged sexual assault. And it's pretty fucking creepy. Like, Mia keeps asking him, where were you? They were looking all over for you. Where were you? Where did you take Dylan? And he doesn't answer her. He's just like silent for the whole phone call. So she just keeps pushing. Where were you? What room were you in? Can you just tell me where you were? And when he finally does speak, he's like, we'll have to talk about it when the time comes. And Mia's just like, why can't you tell me now? It's pretty weird. And before I move on from Casey Pascal, Casey had a lot to say about Woody Allen. She actually had been weirded out by Woody's behavior in the past. She said that when she brought her kids over for playdates, it was impossible for anyone to play with Dylan because Woody would pretty much beeline over to her and he would follow her around and make her play with him and wouldn't really let her play with anyone else. Not only that, but Woody wouldn't play with any of the other kids and he wouldn't even engage in any of the adults. He was intensely focused on Dylan. Casey also noticed that Dylan's behavior was getting kind of weird. She would notice her staring off into space like she was in a whole different world. And also, whenever Woody would come over, Dylan would suddenly get a stomach ache or not be feeling well and have to go lay down. So Casey brought this up to Mia, and Mia told her, well, he's seeing someone for it. Mia was clearly concerned about Woody's behavior, but as often happens in relationships like these, she hoped that it was all a big misunderstanding, 
and that's a much easier pill to swallow. However, she did once ask Casey if it was weird that Woody asked Dylan to suck his thumb. Of course, Casey thought it was creepy as fuck. Now let's talk about the nannies who were present on the day of the alleged abuse. First is Allison Stickland, who I mentioned before was Casey Pascal's nanny and the one who opened the door and found Woody kneeling in front of Dylan with his head in her lap. Then there was Christy Grodicky. I don't know if I said that right. I'm just going to call her Nanny Christy. So Nanny Christy testified that she had lost track of Dylan at one point for about 15 to 20 minutes. But Nanny number three had a whole bunch of story. Um, For one, okay, so originally she said that Mia Farrow was a good mom. Then later, she said that she lied because she didn't want to lose her job. Then she said a whole bunch of other awful stuff against Mia. She said that she felt pressured into taking Mia's side. And she said that she eventually quit her job when she was subpoenaed because she didn't want to take anybody's side. But I do want to mention that Mia's lawyer stated that Monica's salary was paid by Woody Allen and not by Mia Farrow, which I just found kind of interesting. Monica also went on to accuse Mia of abuse, saying that she witnessed Mia treating her biological children better than the adopted children. For example, making the adopted children do all the chores while the biological children could engage in fun family activities. She said that she witnessed Mia slapping Moses. And she also said that she witnessed Mia following Dylan around with the camera and basically implied that Mia had coached Dylan's story. And lastly, she said that she was hanging out with Nanny Christie one day and Nanny Christie told her that Dylan wasn't out of her sight for more than five minutes. Even though Nanny Christie had testified that she had lost track of her for 15 to 20 minutes. Okay, so following the abuse, Mia calls up the family psychologist, Dr. Susan Coates, and tells her what happened. Susan Coates is another kind of interesting person. She was seeing everyone in the family, so she had a lot of insight into this. So when Mia called Dr. Coates and told her about what happened, Dr. Coates said that Mia was oddly calm. See, Mia would call Dr. Coates all the time to talk about Suni, and she was always freaking out on Woody, saying things like he's the devil, he's evil, he needs to be stopped. So Dr. Coates was really taken aback when Mia called to tell her about sexual abuse towards Dylan, but she was totally calm while she was telling her about it. So anyway, Dr. Susan is obligated to report the abuse, and she tells Mia to take Dylan to a doctor. So Mia takes Dylan to the doctor, and the doctor asks her to show him where Woody had touched her, and Dylan pointed to her shoulder. Afterwards, Mia asked Dylan why her story had changed, and Dylan said that she was too embarrassed to tell the doctor the truth. So after talking it over, they went back to the doctor, and Dylan told the doctor that her daddy had touched her private parts. Okay, so now I'm going to break this down into a timeline so we can try to stay focused on the facts. Okay, so remember, this all happened on August 4th, 1992. So that same August, Woody Allen sued Mia Farrow for sole custody of Ronan, Dylan, and Moses Farrow. A few days later, he released a statement declaring that he and Suni were in a relationship. That same day, Connecticut State Police announced that they were investigating Woody Allen with the focus on the allegations of sexual abuse against Dylan. So all this happened within a month of each other. In November of 92, Vanity Fair published a story called Mia's Story, which was a lengthy report on the Farrow family and the abuse allegations against Woody Allen. 
Shortly after that, Woody Allen appeared on 60 Minutes defending himself. And it literally goes back and forth like this for years. In March of 93, a team of child abuse investigators at Yale New Haven Institute concluded a seven-month study into the allegations, and they determined that Dylan's story seemed rehearsed. It basically called Dylan untrustworthy and unreliable and pointed the finger at Mia as having coached her. This is the biggest piece of evidence that people believe helped exonerate Woody Allen. However, Mia's legal team called that report incomplete and inaccurate. One of Mia's expert witnesses was a forensic psychiatrist named Stephen P. Herman, and he said that Dylan had been interviewed about the sexual abuse nine times, which was unheard of. As he explains, you attempt to interview the child the least amount of times possible to avoid re-traumatizing the child. Also, one of the people on the Yale New Haven investigation team actually did believe Dylan. This was Jennifer Sawyer. She was a social worker, and not only did she believe Dylan, but she thought that there was more that Dylan wasn't saying. Anyway, then the custody trial began. On the stand, Woody Allen described how his and Mia's relationship was beginning to disintegrate, and Mia was starting to get angry and threaten him in phone calls, and she was flying into rages in front of her children. Then when Mia took the stand, she went into detail about what Dylan had told her, and she stated that she had been worried that Woody had been sexually attracted to Dylan since she was two years old. Then, Dr. Susan Coates took the stand. And this was interesting because Dr. Coates was the one who sat down with Woody and told him about the allegations that Dylan had made. She said it was one of the worst moments of her life, saying that Woody was completely flabbergasted. The other thing Dr. Coates revealed was that she warned Woody to stay away from Mia for his safety because of the threats that Mia was making against him. Mia was indeed making angry phone calls at Woody, and she had sent him a valentine that had, like, drawings of the family... And she had even sent him a valentine that was like a picture of the family. And there were like skewers through the hearts of the children. So Dr. Coates considered this to be a threat. And she thought that she was capable of hurting herself or Woody or someone else. But Mia denied that. She said that it wasn't a threat. She was just trying to depict to Woody that he had no concept of all the pain that he had caused her and the children. And I think I already mentioned this, but Dr. Coates also testified that the relationship between Woody and Dylan was intensely inappropriate, but again, not sexual. The next day, one of Mia's lawyers stated that Dr. Coates was a sloppy record keeper and said that she was mesmerized by Woody Allen. He called her gullible in accepting his version of the events. And he went on to question her about the issue she had with Mia calling Woody evil. He said something like, is that so inaccurate? Like, if he molested a child, is that not evil? And Dr. Coates was like, I don't think like that. I don't think it was evil. I just think it was an extreme case of bad judgment. In June of 93, Woody Allen lost the custody battle. Acting Justice Elliot Wilk of the State Supreme Court said that Woody Allen was self-absorbed, untrustworthy, and insensitive, and he denied him visitation rights with Dylan. A state's attorney in Connecticut named Frank Mako said that he had probable cause to prosecute Woody Allen, but he declined to press charges to spare Dylan the trauma of the trial. In 1994, Woody filed an appeal to the custody case, and it was denied. In 97, Woody married Suni Previn, and in 2001, the two of them gave a long interview to the Times Magazine declaring again that the heart wants what the heart wants. 
they again denied all accusations made by Mia and Dylan. In 2012, this is funny, Ronan Farrow tweeted, Happy Father's Day, or as they call it in my family, Happy Brother-in-Law's Day. <laughs> in 2013, Dylan Farrow, now 28 years old, went on the record for the first time in an open letter with Vanity Fair, where she went into detail about the abuse. That was a little statement I read at the beginning of the episode. I'm going to read a little more, but not the whole thing. When I was seven years old, Woody Allen took me by the hand and led me into a dim, closet-like attic on the second floor of our house. He told me to lay on my stomach and play with my brother's electric train set. Then he sexually assaulted me. He talked to me while he did it, whispering that I was a good girl, that this was our secret, promising that we'd go to Paris and I'd be a star in his movies. I remember staring at that toy train, focusing on it as it traveled in its circle around the attic. To this day, I find it difficult to look at toy trains. For as long as I can remember, my father had been doing things to me that I didn't like. I didn't like how often he would take me away from my mom, siblings, and friends to be alone with him. I didn't like it when he would stick his thumb in my mouth. I didn't like it when I had to get in bed with him under the sheets when he was in his underwear. I didn't like it when he would place his head in my naked lap and breathe in and breathe out. I would hide under beds or lock myself in the bathroom to avoid these encounters but he always found me. These things happen so often, so routinely, so skillfully hidden from a mother that would have protected me had she known that I thought it was normal. I thought this was how fathers doted on their daughters, but what he did to me in that attic felt different. I couldn't keep the secret anymore. In 2014, Moses Farrow did an interview with People magazine where he defended Woody Allen. He said that Mia Farrow was a bully and coached her children to hate Woody. He also went on to say that they didn't even have a train set and the attic wasn't a place for the kids to play. He said it was a dusty old place full of insulation and old boxes and there was no way anybody would put a train set up there. However, Ronan Farrow did an interview where he says he remembers the train set like it was yesterday. According to him, him and Dylan would go to the attic all the time to play with this train set. Another thing that I found was interesting about Ronan, he said that he spoke to Woody a couple of times and Woody always said that he would be there for him no matter what. So Ronan decided to take him up on it and ask him for help paying for school. And Woody flat out told him that he would not be able to do that unless he would publicly side with Woody on the case. Okay, so now that I presented all of that information, I'm going to stop here. But I'm not done with this case. This is only part one. I'll be releasing part two next week, and in that, I'm going to dig into the backgrounds of Mia Farrow and Woody Allen, and I'm going to try to give more insight into their individual interviews, testimonies, statement, all of that stuff they got to say about each other. So that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Broken Limelight. If you enjoy my podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would share it with your friends. And if you'd like to support me by sending over a little donation, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash ddwest. And don't forget to come back next week for part two. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs>